you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ, Bucky, back together uh, after we kind of split split up here, Buck, mm-hmm. over the last week. You were uh, hammering the uh, East-West. I was at the Senior Bowl doing some, some college all-star games. Meanwhile, we've had a ton of stuff going on in the NFL uh, as we head towards the Super Bowl, man. How you doing? Man, I'm, I'm I'm good. It's funny you talk about so many things going on. Uh, I think it's funny for us, like growing up in the scouting world, seeing so many of our buddies uh, get put on, like guys getting uh, GM opportunities, guys that we know getting head coaching opportunities, all of that other stuff. So it's a great time. It's it's, it's kind of great to kind of see, uh, I guess, whatever generation we were, like <laughs> sitting in some of those, sitting in some of those uh, decision making seats. That that has been a blast. Yeah, I know it's been cool. Uh, we're, that's what we're going to kind of focus on today. Some of, some of the goings on All Star Games, as well as some of these uh, changes that have taken place in these organizations. We'll have a, a preview tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow will be uh, episodes on how these two Super Bowl teams were built. What can we learn from them? What can we take from it? Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, but first of all, Buck, let's uh, let's start off and uh, and take care of the college stuff. Give me a couple guys. The East West. I know you, you and Rhett talked about this, but. Um, just take your takeaways from that game. A couple guys, there's always a few in that game that, uh, that pop. Yeah. So DJ, it's unfortunate. Like he, he didn't play in the game, but the guy who commanded all the attention, uh, throughout the week was, uh, Malik Washington, wide receiver from UVA, uh, really mm-hmm. got down, man. He really was, uh, outstanding in terms of making plays, catching the ball, uh, doing it from a variety of different ways in the slot, just to stop, start quickness and burst was everything that you want to see. And as we've talked about on on here numerous times the guys that are just skilled route runners guys that kind of have like the tools in the toolbox those are the ones that really shine on those stages he was a guy that was fantastic i mean he was i mean he look he he was outstanding every uh facet didn't play in the game but man he he really did a really really good job throughout the practice week and then like a a handful of other guys that kind of stood out you know mostly it was you know like guys talked about christian boyd uh, Northern Iowa interior player, no tackle. But DJ, when you look at his numbers, because everyone's trying to find that pass rushing interior player, 10 and a half sacks on his career, nice. 22 and a half tackles for loss. So you got a chance to see him dominate in that fashion. Uh, there's a Tar Heel that showed out. Miles Murphy did a really good job uh, in the game. He kind of showed up and, and did some things. And then I would say, like, I'm so fascinated, DJ, with the, the DBs in this class all big dudes, like big mm-hmm. dudes that are long, six foot, like guys that we were really talking about back in the day trying to find somebody. But, I mean, what, Chig- Chiggy Anusium from Colorado State, six foot, 200. Josh Wallace from Michigan, who was solid. Uh, there were just a handful of, like, guys that you could just see where they're going to have a, a, a ton of potential to make plays. Ryan Wise from Texas, just a real solid overall class that did a really good job in. I know everyone wants to try and figure out because of the East-West game and the connection with Brock Purdy and Aiden O'Connell, who's the quarterback that could pop. I'll give you two names. Devin Leary from Kentucky, um, who played at NC State as well. Uh, his arm talent is ridiculous. Like, he can just spin it, gunsling, you can throw it all over the yard. 
And then Talia Tagovailoa did a really good job down there, like a really good job running RPOs, really good job with his athleticism and getting the ball out of his hands. And it was funny talking to Mike Loxley, uh, his coach at Maryland. He just talked about the temperament is different than Tua, but he has big time talent. It's just a matter of getting in the right situation where he can kind of develop and and let it rip. But those are the two quarterbacks that really stood out to me as guys that would potentially have a chance to have the kind of success that we've seen some of the alums have. Aiden O'Connell, shoot, Tommy DeVito played in that game. Mm -hmm. Uh, DTR played in the game. Brock Purdy played in the game. So there has been like a little connection from quarterbacks that have played in the game and have had significant experience in having success in the league. Yeah, forever. Remember, it was uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was kind of was a poster boy. Oh, um, uh, yeah. For East West. Jimmy Remember G. He got the battle for God, the promotion. And yes, he yes. was awesome. He, he was went awesome. to the senior bowl. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's good stuff. Give me, uh, is there one name, maybe of those guys you mentioned that maybe there's buzz about like Combine that, that uh, has a chance to really kind of show out and, uh, and, uh, and kind of wow with what he could do from a physical standpoint there? Um, so, like, when you talk about like, some of the wild guys, I would say uh, the defensive end from Colorado State, Muhammad. Was oh, that Kamara? Yeah, DJ. Kamara. Yeah, there's some buzz. I got, there was buzz I heard about him, man. There was some buzz coming out of there on him. Hey, his first step quickness and burst. Like one, he was a Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. Productive. Uh, you can see very productive. You can see the production in terms of how he came off. Like 45 and a half tackles for loss, 30 and a half sacks in 49 games. DJ, when you look at the numbers, he has 64 quarterback pressures. He had a 19.8 quarterback pressure percentage. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we talked about, and a lot of times we've used like Chris Kosarek and the guys that play, his motor never is idle. <laughs> I mean, he is always going. And when you combine like a great motor with outstanding first step quickness, you have a chance. I would say he is the one that I think can kind of create the buzz if he tests mm-hmm. well. Because his sack production, his disruptive production is real. Man, if he puts on a, a, a tremendous performance in front of all the scouts at the combine, then you begin to see a lot of the buzz come. Because remember, in this game last year, um, Byron Young, uh, Kobe, Kobe Turner, Kobe Turner, there were some yeah. guys. There were some guys that kind of played uh, and, and, and showed up. He's one that could kind of continue that trend of guys that play. Maybe he's like in that, that, that third round, third round, fourth mm-hmm. round category that pops and has a lot of success yeah i'm looking forward to, to digging in watching a lot of those guys i'll give you some names from the senior bowl we'll start uh quarterbacks you know the the, the two headliners with uh nicks and Penix. uh bo nicks was someone i thought that got better you know throughout the week and then played fine the game at touchdown drive um i don't think he's a you know we would say he's a driving range quarterback he's got plenty of arm he's got a strong arm. i went down there before the game mm-hmm. um and just watched him and sam hartman play catch and you can see the difference. I mean, he's he's got a he's got a live arm. So, but I, I don't think that he's somebody that like the way he likes to play the game is he's going to be ultra aggressive and try and squeeze balls in all over the place and just like whoa, like look at that you know shot. So that you know he didn't wow you through the week, but I just thought yeah a little bit better each and every day. Played well in the game, like net net even. Mm-hmm. Don't think he hurt himself. Don't think that he launched himself. Whatever you thought of Bo Nix, and there's a lot of people that really really like him. I think you came mm-hmm. out of that feeling the same way. Penix is like just from an arm talent standpoint, this it's pretty ridiculous. Like his hands, mm-hmm. he's got ten and I think it was ten and five eighths. I want to say were his hands. Oh, big hands, yeah, huge hands, Buck. And so doesn't need any space, doesn't need any foot space. He just kind of sit there, hang on his back foot. Um, 
he drives the ball to the outside, um, you know, outs, everything, you know, whole shots, that stuff, effortless. Like, it, he can let it rip. But I still, I didn't see a lot of examples of him kind of getting the ball up and down, which is kind of one of the things I was looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing there. I don't think that's, it's just not his, that's not kind of how he plays. He's just a, he's a, he's a driver. Like, he wants to drive the football. Um, but he had a good week, didn't play in the game. Um, so those are kind of the two headline guys. The one name, um, I'll give you two other names that I came away kind of intrigued by. Um, uh, Rattler was the MVP of the game. He's got, I mean, he's got ability. He's not the biggest guy, mm-hmm. um, but he the ball kind of jumps out of his hand a little bit. He can move around. He's played a lot of ball. I got a, uh, I reached out to a bunch of coaches before this game, just kind of helped me. And some of it makes its way mm-hmm. uh, into the broadcast and other things. You just don't, you aren't able to get to everything. I can't even remember if I got to this or not. But um, Shane Beamer, uh, Beamer, so the head coach at South Carolina, I said, "Hey, coach, give me, can you give me just some your thoughts on on Rattler?" And I, I've done this. You do this same thing. Like there's yep. sometimes you get stuff and you're like, "Well, I can't use that." Like they kind of, they don't. Maybe it's not a full throat endorsement. They just kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what he said. He was at Oklahoma when Jalen Hurts transferred in. I think that was good for him to watch and learn from Jalen as a transfer. Really helped him when he came here. He earned the respect of his teammates. He was voted a permanent team captain two straight years. He's been a great teammate. We had six season-ending injuries on the O-line this season. We started two true freshmen all season on the O-line. The kid never complained, never got frustrated, helped the young guys along. Um, He's got a great family. He gets a little bit of a bad rap because of the Netflix show when he was 17 years old. QB1. Yeah, yeah, but he's a great kid from a great family. Uh, Parents are awesome. Like, he's – so – that's what he's giving me. That's what every scout's getting when they go in there to South Carolina. So you've got somebody who we always say it's a good thing you've been through some adversity, right? Mm-hmm. So he's been through that, and uh, I thought he had a solid week of practice. And then, and then Gus Bradley's son, Carter Bradley. I just like the yeah. way the ball came out. I thought he uh, he had a good week. So those are the two guys I think mid round guys that were kind of fun to watch. So it's funny because I anticipated that we would have this conversation about the quarterbacks from the senior bowl, particularly after you read all the stuff. And then Spencer Radley wins the MVP. So. Last night, I decided, hey, let me do some deep digging. Let me look at Spencer. Let me see what it is. So it's funny what you said about how Beamer described him as a good kid, because I'm going back and I wrote my notes, a QB1, five-star, elite 11 MVP. He was all those things. You dig in his background, he has three 3,000-yard seasons. Um, You kind of forget it's been so long that he was a cast meow at Oklahoma before Caleb Williams, 2020. Mm -hmm. He had, what, 3,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And I remember people were talking about him being the dude then. He goes to South Carolina. I would say his first season at South Carolina, rough, has 12 interceptions. But when you look at the tape last year, what I came with, away with was what Beamer described. Look, man, I wrote down in my notes, like, gritty, the adversity that he's been through has shaped him. Far more athletic than I remembered him being at Oklahoma in terms of mm-hmm. He's not a runner, but he's a scrambler. Made some plays. You could tell he, look, he didn't have much in front of him, but he made some plays and, and did some stuff. To me, I, I like the fact that he worked under gun, in the gun, and also under center. So it kind of struck me as a guy that like, okay, you put him in the right West Coast offense, he'd be a great fit. And I just kind of wrote in my notes, like you talked about mid-round. I was like, look, man, I can see him being like a, a third-round I could see someone taking him there and saying, hey, he's mature enough. We already have a guy, but let's take a flyer on someone that we can develop and maybe he turns into it. So it, it kind of coincided with some of the stuff that you were talking. And then with Bo Nix and, and Penix, DJ, I can't, we've been around each other too much, but I can't tell you, like in my notes, the first thing that I put under Bo Nix, 
steady improvement over five years. Mm-hmm. Like the player that entered Auburn and the player that came out of Oregon, completely different player. And it's the incremental growth that you've seen. Whatever happened at Oregon, he exploded. Mm-hmm. Two seasons where his completion percentage was over 70%. The numbers are ridiculous in terms of touchdown to interception ratio. I wrote down tough, mature, great intangibles, dual threat. And I felt like he had some explosive ability when it came to the way that he threw the ball. But mm-hmm. I did say, even though he's explosive, he kills it in the intermediate area. Mm-hmm. He is the guy that like 10 to 20 yards, he's going to wear you out over and over and over again. And that's, that's kind of what I see because I wrote down comebacks, digs, deep overs. Like you want the Bo Nicks scouting report, how to get him going? Make sure your playbook has comebacks, digs, and deep overs because he, he wears it out. And mm-hmm. I think he is going to be attractive to a team that I would say is already pretty good and they just kind of need the guy. And look, these terms have gotten misconstrued. But someone that can just manage the offense, make a play here or there, get us in and out. He mm-hmm. strikes him as that. Now, if you're looking for the ultimate playmaker to do all this other stuff, I don't think that's Bo Nix. Yeah. So to me, I think in mock, I may have put him with the Rams or whatever. I could see him and Sean McVay having a synergy like that. Hey, I'm going to build it around you. You don't have to do too much. Just play point guard. Just get the ball to the weapons and we, and we can go. And then the thing about Michael Penix, attack mentality. DJ, I've never seen anyone throw the ball down the field as much as the, the Huskies. I mean, it is shot, shot, shot. I mean, it is, I mean, over and over and over again, just taking deep shots, vertical throws, go ball, post. Like, and I understand they had superior playmakers on the perimeter, but he lets you know, hey, my guys are better than your guys, so I'm going to attack down the field. He does it. And the only thing I wrote, though, compared to the other guys that we talked about, to me, Michael Penix is a 100% pocket passer. You're not mm-hmm. getting the creativity and the other stuff. So whoever takes him, you better have a, a, a sturdy offensive line because he's not going to give you the extra second reaction plays and that other stuff. He's going to deal from the pocket. And what he deals from the pocket, it can't be spectacular, but you better have a fortress in front of him. That's a great way to put it. I, I would just uh, use an uh, analogy to, to share the difference between those two. When I was a kid during Easter... My mom would we would do the Easter egg hunt right around the front yard, and we didn't have a big front yard. Mm-hmm. But we had lots of bushes and different places where you could hide stuff. So you knew the little, and there were the little plastic ones, right? And then yeah, so then have have stuff in it. So you knew the little ones; they didn't have as much good stuff in there. Jelly and beans, the big, yeah. Stuff. The big one, the big <laughs> one might have like it could have like a, a dollar or five dollar bill on the big eggs, right? The big plastic <laughs> yeah, ones. Yeah. So the image that I have in my mind, Buck, is Penix is looking around the yard for the big eggs, and Bonix is putting those little ones, just putting all those little ones in the bucket. <laughs> he has he has all the jelly bellies. He has all yeah, the jelly yeah. bellies in the bucket because the little eggs. But yeah. it's true. The funny thing is, DJ, I gave him. I wrote down in my notes like I gave him the same grade, right? Yeah, I, I think it's just. I almost, point. I almost did the same thing. Just, just a little, like, little like, nudge like, for Nick. Like, for yeah, me. like, like, what is the vantage point? What do you want from the position? And, uh, you know, it's funny. Like, you, you hear the practices, you see him interview. Bo Nix's interview uh, during the game, I thought was solid. I think that's what you mm-hmm. get. Like, you get a very mature guy. Like he, he's going to be a pro from the time he steps in. He kind of understands it. Um, and so, like, look at. Look, there's no direct translation between like the guys that that crush it there. When you go back and you look at the MVPs or whatever, Davis Webb was an MVP. There've been yeah. other guys that have been MVPs. Like, so that's not a direct tie that they're gonna have success in the pro. But I do think you can gain some perspective on the prospects, the quarterback prospects, watching them practice and watching them in the game. 
no doubt. Uh, a couple other names I'll run through real quick. Just this is not a complete list, but um, uh, look, the offensive lineman group is is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a really good mm-hmm. offensive line draft. That was the way it was there. Fuaga from Oregon State, as advertised, mm-hmm. he's, to me, he's mm-hmm. a top fifteen pick every day of the week. Um, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma is a, is a physical freak. Um, he's enormous, long. He had a solid week of practice as well. Um, you had uh, the center from Oregon was awesome. Uh, Power JPJ. Yeah, yeah, he was he was awesome. He's I mean I think he's somebody that's going to factor into the some point in you know twenty to thirty five. I don't think he gets out of the top of the second round at worst. Uh, he was really good. Um, there was a, it was a really really good group of of offensive linemen. Then uh, you know some receivers. Every year there's receivers of this game that pop. Malachi Corley from West Kentucky, who's a run after catch guy, but he did a nice job running routes and showed some speed. Roman Wilson from Michigan. They didn't throw it a ton, Buck, but he was dis- he was the one. Oh, who just, I saw if you, it. If, yeah. you, if you couldn't run at corner, you didn't. You wanted to line count. You wanted to avoid him because he has ridiculous speed. Uh, McConkey, what we've seen, like he reminded me a little bit of Puka at the game last year, just how he was able yeah. to separate and practice. Didn't get a lot of good balls, so he didn't get a chance to make as many plays. Um, but a really good player. Um, uh, Darius Robinson on defense was the kind of the star of the defensive front. But to be totally honest, the most impressive player for the whole week was Quinion Mitchell, the, uh, oh, uh, yeah. the corner from from Toledo. He's a freak, man. Uh, I had him, uh, I think he was at 17, 18, 19, somewhere like that on my list. I came away saying, like, dude, if you're picking if you're picking eight, I, I don't have any problem with that. Like, you know, he, he's, he, he looked like a top 10 pick the entire week of practice. So you brought his name up before, like before we got into this, like you talked about uh, Quinion being a guy that was of interest. We talked to him as the Toledo kid, man, he's, he's yeah. got so much talent. He's, he's explosive. So you go and do a little research on him, right? Particularly coming on the heels of the buzz that was around him at mm-hmm. the senior bowl. And everyone talked about how explosive, how smooth he was, how he just looks the part. And then you, you go and you read about what the coach talked about him and how impressive People are that, hey, he had an opportunity to jump and go elsewhere, but he stayed and wrote it out with his teammates. And at a mm-hmm. time where there are few guys that kind of stay around for all four or five years, to me, that he, he stuck it out. He stayed there and he came back and he dominated at that level. These are just, that, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I want to see. I know people talk about, well, you know, it's the Mac. It's a little different. Maybe they're good players that have come out of the Mac, you know, and mm-hmm. Look, I, I stand it when it comes to guys that are viewed as small school guys. Do they dominate and do they dominate over time? He's dominated over time. And then the fact that he went down to the senior bowl and held his own and really dominated there. I don't think there are any questions about that. You know, I, I just think we've seen these guys that have been able to have success. And I'll use the example because there were some questions about Sauce Gardner when Sauce came out. And look, man, he, he played Conference USA, which is a step above what some would consider the Mac to be. And he's been as advertised. And so sometimes you got to trust your eyes. When guys dominate on that stage like that, you just kind of you just got to trust it that they're going to have the same kind of success at the next level. Yeah, I mean, I was just going through, like, if you had this, the boxes, right? I mean, you could literally just Im- Im- image, uh, imagine it. You'd have the tape, check. All-star gameplay, check. Interviews, talking with people, check. Off the charts. The only two he's got left is combine the pro day, you know? And if mm-hmm. you want to talk about a th- top 30 visit, but... I don't anticipate he's going to have any struggles there. He ran four three nine for the scouts in the spring with no training, so he, oh. he's gonna he's gonna oh. yeah he's gonna roll. Oh, so yeah, we can put him again. That's, put him put him in bubble that, wrap. 
Yeah, that's that's where we are. Uh, a couple other defensive guys. Uh, Braden Fisk, the uh, DT from Florida State, he was awesome. He had a great week and a great game. He got traded the day before the game because they were light on DTs. He had to switch teams. Sell, sort of sack tackle for loss was excellent. Peyton Wilson so had some injuries. The linebacker at Penn, uh, uh, NC State's been a great player. Um, mm-hmm. He did a nice job as well. Had a really good week. So you just have to kind of get around the injuries. Kind of reminded me of... Uh, I'd said it during the week. Do you remember? Uh, gosh, why am I drawing a blank on his name now? Oregon, who uh, Kiko Alonso. Remember oh, Kiko yeah, Alonso yeah, coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who had yeah, some yeah. injuries, and people were like, I don't know how long he played for a long time. Uh, so uh, you had Kiko Alonso, and then Alex Anzalone was the other one I was thinking of, who was another one. I think Alex Anzalone had a bunch of injury Still concerns playing. coming to the league. Still, Still playing, going. playing in, Still playing going. in Detroit. Now here's the thing about Peyton Wilson. Like um, Peyton Wilson was originally committed to my alma mater. He's committed to. Carolina grew up right there in mm-hmm. Chapel Hill, around Chapel Hill. I think his grandparents' parents went to state. That's why he goes to state. But when you watch him on tape, so here's the thing we like. And, and I think we're influenced by the people that we know. Like, So we've had Luke Keekley come on the show, right? Luke oh, Keekley yeah. just as nice as everything. But, mm-hmm. like, man, there's something. When he steps between the lines, he's an absolute animal. Same thing with mm-hmm. our guy, like, who just got promoted to GM for the Panthers, Dan Morgan. That's how Dan was. Like, nicest guy, all the thing. But, like, you put the... <laughs> You put the, the, the armor on, they become a different person. When I watch Peyton Wilson, Peyton Wilson got some, uh, he got some dog in him that I absolutely mm-hmm. love, man. He is not afraid to go through the echo of the whistle. He'll chase people down all over the field. And if not for, I would say, the series of just being the bumps and bruises, I think it's just easy to fall in love with that kind of guy. Because when I look at linebacker play and I look at him, man, he fits. He checks off a lot of the boxes when it comes to how he gets down and how he plays. No doubt. Um, all right. We're going to, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some of these new coaches um, and uh, also some, uh, some GMs that have been hired. We haven't had a chance to talk about yet. So we'll jump to that right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, Buck, the list here. Uh, We've got new coaches. We've got uh, Dan Quinn, the most recent hire for the Commanders. We've got Mike McDonald with the Seahawks. Raheem Morris goes to the Falcons. Dave Canales uh, goes to the Panthers. Jim Harbaugh with the Chargers. Brian Callahan is the new coach for the Titans. A- AP Antonio Pierce with the Raiders. And Gerard Mayo was the first one, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. who was uh, upgraded by the head coach of the Patriots. Where do you want to go here? Uh, look, let, let, let's start out with familiarity first. Let's start with Jim mm-hmm. Harbaugh and the Chargers. And the reason why I want to go there is, one, obviously you do all the work for the Chargers being on their broadcast team. But the fact that you and I have seen the work that Jim Harbaugh has done up close having started at West Coast Stouts, having had to go, man, I, I remember going to USD, Washington, then watching what he did at Stanford, uh, looking from afar at what he did with the San Francisco 49ers before he went to Michigan. And now, um, man, I'm just excited about what he talked about. I think he set the tone in the presser. Uh, I think what has been written about him texting all the players, I think the, the secret sauce to Jim Harbaugh is, look, it ain't all the X's and O's and that stuff. I just believe the dude is just such a great connector. He mm-hmm. really builds a team in terms of like they play for one another and all that other stuff. And look, 
pros are different than college, but I look at how connected his Michigan teams were. And I think back when you talk to people about his time with the Niners, this is what he does. And look, if I'm a Chargers fan, I'm excited because you're not only getting a guy who understands how to make the game easy for the quarterback, but you're getting a guy who builds a team, but also he builds it on the principles of toughness and tenacity and those things. He, did, like, he made sure everyone knew that toughness is a big part of the DNA. I just think in this game, when you look at the Final Four and you look at the teams that are there, I man, toughness was a big part of uh, the equation to go along with the talent that you have to have. So I'm going to give you some reason uh, for optimism. And I know people like to poke fun at the Chargers and say, oh, you guys, everybody hypes the Chargers in the offseason, and this is always going to be the year. I'm going to give you some concrete evidence of why this is uh, this should be a pretty exciting time if you if you like the Chargers, mm-hmm. if you're a fan of the Chargers. Now, here we go. You've got the head coach with Jim Harbaugh, who has a history of not only creating an identity, but of success. He's won everywhere he's gone. Everybody knows that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You go out and you go get Joe Ortiz to be the GM, mm-hmm. who I've you know I worked with and I've known for over 20 years and is an excellent evaluator. So you get two guys. He's been with the Ravens. Joe's, you know, think of all the success they've had drafting mm-hmm. with the Ravens. He's been Eric DaCosta's right-hand guy. So two guys are, are really good individually at what they do. That's not why that would be excited. You don't want to be excited because as we're recording this, some of the names are coming out of the coaches. So mm-hmm. Greg Roman, it looks like it's going to be the offensive coordinator. Um, you've got Mike Devlin, who's going to be the offensive line coach. Um, so then on the defensive side of the ball, um, it looks like it's going to be Jesse Minner who's going to be coming with Harbaugh to be the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. So let me connect this for you real quick. Yeah. All these guys, Greg Roman had been in Baltimore. Greg Roman has worked with Jim Harbaugh. Um, you look at Jesse Minter. Jesse Minter has coached with Jim Harbaugh. Jesse Minter has been with the Baltimore Ravens. Mike mm-hmm. Devlin's the assistant offensive line coach of the Ravens, has been with John Harbaugh. Now he's going to go uh, join Jim Harbaugh. So this is the reason why I'd be optimistic. Do you know how, and you? I'm, I'm, this is a rhetorical question, mm. do you know how easy it is to go scout for things that you already know what they like? So mm-hmm. in other words, I can, I've seen situations where, man, you've got a great head coach, you've got a great general manager, but the shopping list hasn't been right. Like he's going and scouting and evaluating players for who he likes, but it doesn't fit or marry up with what the coach mm-hmm. wants and what the coach plays with. Joe Ortiz, and he's going to be able to build out his scouting staff, knows the, the menu for what works in this offensive scheme and this defensive scheme. He's already scouted players and brought players into these schemes. Mm-hmm. That makes life infinitely easier uh, for everybody involved. <clears throat> so total alignment, right? So you're going to have some people who believe that you have – you shouldn't have a shared vision, but I believe you should have a shared vision when it comes to general manager, head coach, whoever has the juice has the juice. But you have to be able to work in concert to make sure that you're building the team the right way, that everyone is kind of pulling the boat in the right direction. So when you see so much carryover and crossover from Baltimore, look, love them or hate them, you can say what you want to about the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens, I would say, are the, ev- the envy of many franchises in the league because they're always in a conversation. So DJ, we, we can talk about they're, they're always in the conversation and you know exactly what you're getting when you play them. When you close your eyes and we say, hey, the Baltimore Ravens are coming to town, you know what kind of team is coming to town. And I think about Jim Harbaugh bringing people that he already has ties with. And this is different than uh, when some people bring buddies. No, he, he's bringing guys that he's worked with, that he's had success with, and they're bringing it back. You can say whatever you want to about Greg Roman as an offensive coordinator. You can say whatever you want to about, hey, he doesn't know the passing game and all that other stuff. 
I do know this. I know when they were together with the San Francisco 49ers, they bludgeoned people with the run game. And they found a way to do it. And they made Alex Smith, um, look, they, they helped repair and re- revive his career. You know, they made Colin Kaepernick a star for the time that they were together. So I understand what that looks like. I also understand they have a superstar quarterback in Justin Herbert. And at a time when people think that when you have a superstar, you want to use him, use every drop. No, you want to use him when you need him, not because mm-hmm. you have to. You want to establish a running game to make the game easy for Herbert. You don't want him to have to feel like he has to do everything so you can get more out of it. And when you talk about Joe Ortiz and making sure everyone's on the same page, a lot of people have taken this from the Ravens, play like a rape. But Mm -hmm. you worked there. Uh, I always had a fondness for the guys that scouted there and worked there and they were talking about it. There's a clear identity in terms of who you want to bring into the building. Guys Mm -hmm. who love ball, guys who are tough, guys who have some of that physicality and stuff, that's a big part of what they do. The Chargers will now have that. And it's funny because he said, hey, don't be fooled by the powder blues. I think that's always the thing. The Chargers have always had a reputation for being soft, Mm -hmm. right? Talented, but not the toughest team. Uh, He'll eliminate that. He'll eliminate that. So it it should be fun to see if you're a Chargers fan, see what this looks like. No doubt. Um, So interesting, interesting times there for the Chargers. Now they got some tough decisions to make. Um, but I think there's a few moves they can make and get the salary cap back in order. Uh, I'll hit you up on on one other name here on this list that I'm kind of curious about. Uh, DQ, uh, Dan Quinn, going to Washington to join up with our with our friend Adam Peters. So here's the funny thing, right? Because I've seen so many people critical about this move with Dan Quinn. Oh, my God, why did I hire I was like, okay, let's, let's go back in time when Dan Quinn was a head coach. Uh, Dan Quinn should be a Super Bowl champion I know. based on how that – Based on how that game played out, uh, they were dominating the Patriots in a Super Bowl. He took the Falcons to a Super Bowl, had them up and going, had a quarterback that played at an MVP level. Uh, so to me, I don't understand why there's so much, I don't know, like just criticism over a guy getting the second opportunity there. Like, no, it wasn't a sexy name because everyone uh, wanted an offensive guy to come in there and do it. But I think when you look at Dan Quinn, not only the work he did with the Falcons, I think you have to understand the work that he did with the Cowboys having gone up to Oxnard and watched it in training camp multiple years. You got to remember, man, look, that, that team was dead in the water after Mike Nolan was being the defensive coordinator. Mike McCarthy couldn't get it going. Dan Quinn quickly turns it around. And I would say Dan Quinn changed the culture in the entire building based on what he did with the defense, how hard they played, the brotherhood that they established how they were connected on that side of the ball. We can talk about the takeaways and all that other stuff, but this was a team that was super connected on that side, and I think it it carried over to the way the entire team operated. But let's also talk about connections and when we talk about alignment. So Adam Peters comes from San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan was the head coach. Kyle Shanahan, before he was the head coach with the San Francisco 49ers, was the offensive coordinator for Dan Quinn. So mm-hmm. when we talk about bringing this all together and how important it is for the general manager and the head coach to see the game out of the same prism, DJ is there. I am sure that, that Peters talked to Shanahan about, hey, man, what's it like to be around Dan Quinn? How is yeah. that relationship going to be like? DJ, I think it's a great marriage and setup because they're going to build this thing the right way and they're going to be connected uh, every step of the way as they talk about bringing the talent but also developing the talent. And the underrated part of Dan Quinn, and this part would come from his time in Seattle. When they were in Seattle, you remember how many young players they got on the field and how they played. 
Dan Quinn, when he went to the Atlanta Falcons, based on that experience, they created a thing in Atlanta called the Plan D program. It was called Mm -hmm. Plan Development. And what they did is, I want you to think about practice every day. And I want you to think about, DJ, we got all the practice squad players and the young guys who aren't playing. Every day they're required to spend 10 minutes, 10 minutes after practice, working with their position coach or working with a veteran set. So if you think about, okay, that 10 minutes doesn't seem like much, but let's just kind of compound the interest of doing Mm -hmm. it 10 minutes a day over time. So what the Falcons did, particularly during their Super Bowl year, all these young players had to play prominent roles at the end of the season. But because they were developed each and every practice day, talk about maybe an hour a week of just extra time devoted to developing them, they were ready for it. So now you have Adam Peters, who's a guy who loves to draft, loves young players. Well, now you have a coaching staff that is going to be about developing young players. And so when we talk about working in lockstep, we're going to take these low-round picks. We're going to give them opportunities because we're going to develop them and make sure they're ready to play when it's there. You and I have both been at programs where the coach is like, hey, man, I'm not playing that young player. And you can't get the young player on the field. And now your depth is weakened. That's not going to happen. Look, I think it's going to be a phenomenal thing in Washington. Yep, and they've got a uh, a new coordinator there as well. Um, so when you when you go out and get Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, someone who not only has been a head coach in the NFL, but a long time of mm. coaching oh. the position at quarterback, having played the position. Oh, wait a so wait a wait. and then who did, what's that? Who did he coach? Did Cliff uh, Kingsbury? Kyle, 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 Kyler Murray and Patrick oh. Mahomes. Oh, Patrick Mahomes. Who's like Patrick Mahomes in this draft? Oh, oh, like and he just came from USC. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to connect any dots, but he just came from USC. Caleb Williams was his his quarterback. Caleb Williams is from the D.C. area. Yep. Um, Washington is sitting at number two, so I, I don't think it would take much to go from two to one. I, we have that's a, where I would disagree with you. It might take a little bit to go from two to one. You think it'd take a lot? You think it'd take a lot? I don't know. If it depends on if the Bears if the Bears if the Bears find themselves in love with another quarterback, you know, hmm. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just saying we have a premium. It's a premium. It is, but we've seen someone who's not scared because he was part of a front office that moved up. Did a Trey, Trey Lance trade didn't work, though, so I don't know if AP will trigger a shy on that one, one to go up. I might be scared. Might be scared. But, uh, but I, don't, I don't know. I mean, they're they're in a good position, you know, if they want. Um, Either way, let, but let, number like, two let's guys, be, let, there's three yeah, let's good be quarterbacks real. up there. Yeah, they're three, they're three good quarterbacks. You have Cliff Kingsbury, who has experience calling a game with a young quarterback playing because he had to do it with Kyler Murray. Uh, so whether it's Caleb Williams or whether it's Drake May or Jaden Daniels or whatever, you have someone who is comfortable building an offense with a young quarterback at the helm. To me, I think that's beneficial. At a time when we talk about, hey, man, look, you have to build around the player. It can't be your system and you drop him in. You got to find a way to mix what he does with what you want to do to get him ready to play. If you're going to play him right away, you got to help him. You got to kind of let him go out there with some training wheels. Kyler Murray came out the gates hot. Uh, in Arizona, smoking under under Cliff. Smoking, yeah, couldn't stay healthy. But they made their way to the postseason, and everything. So, uh, wow. you think I just think about all three of these guys can move. So, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens there, what they do uh, in the draft. We'll have time to jump into that more as we, uh, after we get through the Super Bowl. Um, all right, Buck. Anything else you want to add here before we jump out of here? No. The one thing, DJ, and I, I, I want to get your take on this. Uh, Boston College head coach, former head coach Jeff Hadley. Oh yeah, leaving leaving a college job where he was successful, he'd gone to some bowl games, to, to, to become a coordinator at the pro level. One, what do you think about this move specifically, Halfley going there? But two, 
Is this part of an upcoming trend that we're going to see college coaches fleeing the college game to come to the pro game because they don't have to deal with all the other stuff that has now become a big part of the college game with fundraising and NIL and transfer portal and all of the chaos that college football has become? I was talking to a coach um, at the at, at the Senior Bowl, and he we were talking about the, how much a nightmare it is in college right now for these coaches. And everybody's like, oh, I don't want to hear it to make tons of money. I'm just telling you, th- there's a drastic difference between what their job was five years ago and what their job is now. It's not, <laughs> And they will all tell you it's not for the good for them. It, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think you're seeing, and it, you know, Chip Kelly's name has been out there for, mm-hmm. for some of these coordinator jobs to be willing to leave UCLA. And one of these coaches brought up a great point. He said, there's... 10 to 12 teams in college football that can do whatever they want, spend as much money as they want. <clears throat> he said, for everybody else, it's, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare if you're not mm-hmm. one of those 10 to 12 teams with the deep pockets and the resources mm-hmm. to be able to do whatever you want to do. He goes, let me give you an example of, of what the resources are like at those schools. I go, what do you mean? He's like, I know I have a, I have a coach uh, that's on one of these staffs. He said, They've gone out and they've been able to, to kill it in the portal and bring in recruits. So they're they're over, right? So they're over. So used to be now you can get you have to clear players off of your roster. You can't, you know, technically cut them, right? If you're in an existing program. So what they would have to do is say, you encourage them. You know, the old ways they would just you just kind of like dog cuss them and make life miserable on them. Then they would tell them honestly, hey, you're not going to play here. You should leave. But the kid doesn't have to leave. So mm-hmm. then he could medically, if he medically retires, you get the spot back. He stays on scholarship. Um, and that's if the kid doesn't have a future in football or whatever. Like, okay, this, this works. You can, you can stay here, get your degree. It's free, but we free up your spot. But if the kid doesn't want to leave and he doesn't want to medically retire, you, you, you got to get the spot cleared. He said, these teams with the deep pockets, he's like, they're paying kids to go into the portal. Paying them. Wow. We will not pay you only to come here. We will pay you to leave because we have a better player than you that we need to get in and we need your spot. Wow. I was like, what? Wow. Guys are getting, guys are getting buyouts and severance yeah. packages. <laughs> <laughs> like, what in the severance world? packages in the pros to, I'd to never get heard of this. Portal. I, I couldn't, oh, I couldn't wrap my man. brain around it. It is. First it of is. all, if the coach comes in there and wow. like, Hey, Memo to those kids. The coach comes in and says, hey, you don't have a spot here. You can't play here. You're like, well, it's going to cost you, coach. <laughs> yeah. And make sure you negotiate a deal. You just don't have yeah, to jump I need a parting in. gift. I'm going to need oh, a parting man. gift on the way out. It, DJ, but it that is, tells you how crazy it is. It's crazy. That's why like Halfley leaving, um, you know, Chip Kelly's name being out there. I think you're mm-hmm. going to see more of that, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, look, it's, it's the Wild West until they, they figure it out because I, I honestly believe that college football is going to become – a lot like high school football where you have all the different divisions and dividers because everyone is not going to be able to play with the big boys. The 10 to 12 teams that you talk about, uh, the teams in the SEC and the Big Ten, everyone doesn't have pockets like that. So where does that lead to group of five teams that you don't want to continue to be a minor league system for the big boys? You know, because what you're seeing is people plucking the top players from group of five teams. You're seeing guys pluck the top players from lower ranks and you, you spend all this time developing them and then you kind of left at the altar at the, at the end of the day. I think you have to separate it. I think they, they're going to, they will end up being multiple champions at different levels, just like you have a 6A and a 5A and a 4A champ. I think they have to break it up. I think you can see the big boys in the group, in the group of five groups. Then you can see the, you know, the lower divisions. I just don't think they can continue to sustain it because I don't know how these colleges are going to continue to sustain the kind of budgets uh, and the commitments that they have to make while trying to do other things. It's, it's just not feasible. 
Yeah, it makes sense that just you take the Big Ten and the SEC, and maybe they each bring in a couple more. You know, maybe it's a Clemson or a Florida State, whoever, Miami, whatever, uh-huh. and then they are their own football, mm-hmm. you know, league and conference and division. And then then all the other sports can be regional. You don't need. There's no need, reason for the tennis team at USC to go to mm-hmm. Columbus. You know, like they can just yeah. play all the other sports regionally. I don't know. But I think I think even Chip Kelly might have said that or somebody brought yeah, that up Yeah, he did. He did say that because it, it impacts everybody because I want, what I don't want to see is I don't want to see what happens in football affect all the rest of sports. Like, I'm still not all the way a Prius, but I still think, look, there's value in college athletics in terms of oh, like building the person and all that other stuff. And so I would like to see some of it go back to some of the student athlete stuff where, I mean, you go to your school, you get your degree, you play and you participate. Yeah, go to and class you're with for other students. You're not just taking yeah. online courses with just your football team in your in your football dorm with proxies downstairs to take your test. Like, they're not <laughs> even going to college. I wouldn't want that. Like, I know everybody's like, man, you wish, dude, you know, I wasn't good enough. You were, but like to have to, well, don't you wish you could go now where you get no. all this money? I'm like, nah, man, I had a college experience. I, I wouldn't, yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed like, that. Yeah, I think, I just think it's so important to to be able to do that. So if you can, separate them and put all the big boys. And I think some colleges would would like the opportunity to be like, hey, you know what? We're not going to compete at that upper level. So coach, I just mm-hmm. want you to know we're okay being uh, a two-way program. And mm-hmm. we're going to do it. We're going to pour in. We're, you, can, you can be the best two-way program there. But here's the cap. We're not spending more than $5 million on all this NIL stuff or whatever. And so I think you want to do that because you, you, you should want to give coaches and players and everybody opportunities to kind of understand where they fit in. And the mm-hmm. university, because everyone's not going to be able to compete at the level of a Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia and some of those other big programs that can spend the money and get whatever they want to get done. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right. Well, this was a fun one today. We will be back tomorrow. We'll look at how these uh, Super Bowl rosters were built. Um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll dig into that. Want to encourage you if you haven't already, leave us a, a rating and a review. We do appreciate those. Don't ask often, but uh, do appreciate when you do that. Uh, any ideas you guys have for us? We'll take them in terms of. Uh, what we can do better as we head towards the draft with some uh, draft content. So uh, we do appreciate that, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.